0: education is not an individual it, it was never made just for the individual It was made so that individual right can work for the group enterprise how can this individual go back and add value to the group in which they are a member of
1: and three
2: two one you're listening to the real social proof podcast with mr sleepers for suckers himself david shand Y'all heard? let's get it
1: we got 19 keys ladies and gentlemen
0: I the the to me here, man. <laughs> no, no, no! I appreciate the energy, man. I came in here chill, relaxed, man. It's, a, it's an
1: honor to be on this platform. Absolutely, man. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, 19, when, do you come across people who don't know you? Yeah, yeah. How do you introduce yourself to them? Like, if you're just meeting somebody, what do you say? Um, 19 keys. When they say, what do you do, right? Because I, I know a couple things you got going on. Yeah. But how would you
0: wrap up? You know, I just tell you, them I'm a thought leader. You know what I'm saying, why I tell him I'm a world leader. It was just, I met um, Wolfgang Puck. I was at his restaurant, right, mm-hmm. and he had just opened up a new restaurant rooftop. This is day one, so he's going around talking to people. Hey, how you doing? You understand me? And he gets to my table. At first, he walked past, then he doubled back, and he was looking. He was like, "Oh, how you doing?" And he's like, "Are you a rapper?" I said, "Nah." I'm 19 Keys. He said, oh, so what do you do? So I I'm, I'm a thought leader. Then I just stared at him. <laughs> <laughs> I bet mean, he was mad nervous. He was like, like came to oh, wrong table." okay. <laughs> and he just walked off. But, you know, I mean, I do have, you know, chains on and things of that nature. So the average person that thinks about successful black men, they, in their mind, they go straight to rapper even if I don't have chains on this lady asked me today in the Atlanta airport because she's seen people taking pictures with me oh are you a rapper I don't want to miss nobody famous I said no I'm a thought leader and I just walked off what what is a thought leader though well it's a way for me to round it up you Mm. understand me because it is so many different things I might tell a person I'm an author thought leader you understand me educator But a thought leader is somebody who spans in many different areas. So there's different categories you gotta hit in order to be a thought leader. You should be an author, right? You have to be influential. You have to have expertise and skills in multiple industries, right? So I like that category of thought leader because I think it sums up some of my accomplishments.
1: Mm. And what are some of those accomplishments?
0: Well, when it comes to creating high level organizations, seven figure organizations, You understand me being influential, being a global thought leader, traveling around the world, creating platforms such as our new one with the Wealth Standard Exchange, First Black-Owned Forex and Crypto platform. Um, The BWO, right, Bridging Wealth Opportunities, or originally known as Black World Order. Um, um, And then also my Goldwater business, you understand me, Um, my thought leadership and activism and really just influencing a culture to a new paradigm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's the other things going on, but, you know, I think that that's what it's about, more so the leadership.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. All right, and I, I want to I take us back to before where the 19 keys that mm-hmm. we see today. Yeah. I mean, I saw some of the, uh, some of the, like, I don't know what to call it. Was it, it, was like, like like formation or steps or something like that? You the drilling.
0: It? The drilling. drilling, yeah. So the drilling, that started from when I was a child. You understand me? A, a really, really young child. We used to have the drill every summer. Well, every, not not just every summer, but including the summer. So all year round at the school I went to called Elijah's Educational Center. And this school was a Black-owned Muslim school, right? And that was to prepare the mind to have discipline. You understand me? To be able to focus, to be able to take orders. You understand me? To have self-control to be able to, you know, see out your peripherals without having to, you know, um, look around. You understand me? It was really about this militancy and sharpening the mind. You know, so we did that, you know, I probably drilled for 15 to 20 years of my life.
1: And the drill is like, can you explain to somebody who doesn't understand what that Yeah, means? it's the same thing as you
0: see in the military, right? Where they give commands, um, you fall in line, stomach in, chest out, head up, feet at a 45 degree angle. Person say left, right? Peace. You understand me? And you only move on command, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it really trains the mind to sit there and listen, mm-hmm. you know? And we used to have these competitions where it was called Muhammad Says instead of Simon Says, right? So <laughs> like when Muhammad says, do it, you do it. Muhammad say, don't do it, you don't do it. So, but I remember before those competitions, because I used to win them often, right? And I had to think about as I got older, what was my mindset that allowed me to win? And I would only think about how I would celebrate winning. During the whole thing, because I know that your brain trips up when you're trying to overly focus and you're trying to do a
1: task. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. say say that again. So I, you, I once you said it, it I automatically resonated with like you're you're trying to focus so much, yeah. but you can't focus at all.
0: Nah, because there's are two different things that trip. It's like the brain is trying to remember and the brain that already knows. You understand me? So you're trying to work two things and that's why like people get choked when they talking, right? Because it's already in you. You studied it, you rehearsed it, but you so stuck trying to think, you activating two parts of the brain that's canceling each other out. So like you have to be relaxed when you go and do things. So I never wanted to focus specifically on, oh, when he say left feast, let me do a left feast. Like, no, nah, when it happens, I already know what to do. My brain is going to be triggered. My body is going to move. So what I would go in there thinking about, because, you know, the prizes was sometimes $20 or a bean pie. You know what I'm saying? Well, I wanted that bean pie. You, you know didn't want the $20? Right? I mean, the, you know, I was going to spend the $20 on a bean pie anyway. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm in middle school at the time and stuff like that. So I just remember focusing on celebrating the win during the whole time. Like I would see myself eating a bean pie. I mm. see myself getting the money. I would hear the congratulations. And that's what would get me going through all of those motions because I had to see it through. You understand me? And everything in between was just what I needed to do in
1: order to produce that vision. Visualizing the end result. Absolutely. Dang. That's a bar. That's a bar. Okay, so who So was who taught you? Was it your father? Was it like OGs in the neighborhood? Uh, it's schools, a combination or? of my environment,
0: I would have to say, because it definitely wasn't one person. Pops, I more so learned from Pops through example. Like I would see the way he moved as a man and how other men moved around him. Because at the organization, it was like a paramilitary black Muslim organization, right? What year is this? What year is this? Take this, uh, this, oh, I would say that organization lasted up to 2017. No, 2007. Um, so this was. How old are you? When were you born? Uh, 1990.
1: 19, oh, so you're about 17 when, it yeah. disbanded the, when the organization went together. No, nah, anyway.
0: that's when it disbanded. So, but we was we started at that organization when I was like, you know, four
1: or five years old. What do you remember about that? What do you remember seeing from these men? And what's going on, like, now, in this time? This Not organization was, was
0: crazy. This is an Oakland, California, right? This organization was called Your Black Muslim Bakery. Now, the man who led the organization, his name was Dr. Bay. Dr. Bay had over 40 children. He had multiple wives, and he had his own standing army, essentially, right? And at that particular organization... Hold
3: on,
1: hold on, hold on. Who was, who was, he, what was he? Like, he's a, he was a leader in the... Yeah,
0: he was a black Muslim leader in Oakland, California. He had his own sect that was separate from the nation of Islam. But he first started, he had a bakery that was commissioned early by the honorable Elijah Muhammad. And he said, yeah, go and call it your black Muslim bakery. So this bakery is like one of the first person that had like vegan products mm-hmm. and made everything all natural. So at first it was mostly like white folks that came in and eat healthy because it was down the street from Berkeley, right? And then it became a real staple in the community. But that bakery was a headquarters for the organization where the black Muslims met every Sunday. He even ran for mayor and almost won. You understand me? And um, every time you roll out, you will see a motorcade of black cars. You understand me? Like the president movement, you know? And we used to have to go drill in different hoods throughout Oakland. So we'd go to the most dangerous parts. We'd go through the malls. We'd go everywhere. And it was to showcase an example of what it looks like in a a counter right to the street culture. Mm. Right. So a lot of people would come in and join and they would allow people to join, whether you just got out of jail, whether you got you on drugs. They come in, clean you up, give you a job and an opportunity and you join a bakery. It's just the prerequisites that you have to show up for the Monday night meetings and the Sunday night meetings and sometimes the Thursday night business classes right? And that was a structure of self-development, right? Because if you want to have this job, you got to make sure that these people following these rules and laws of the culture that they were a part of. So this is what I grew up in. And these brothers was dangerous at the same time. You understand me? Like they were the most feared group in Oakland. And that was, I don't care if you was a street cat walking down that street, you would pull your parents up before you walk down that mm. block. You would turn your music down before you hit that corner. You understand me? And you know, growing up in that type of organization, man, it gives you a different lens on life. Did you? What was his name? What was the his know? name was Dr. Bay. Dr. Bay. So you know, Dr. Bay is a controversial figure. At the same time, as all men with power are, he was accused of doing some sexually lewd things. He ended up dying at that time of his accusations, so they never went to court, right? And then that organization ended up failing because his sons took over, and then some criminal atmosphere, you know, came about. Um, and then that's when the ultimate demise of the organization happened in 2007.
1: Yeah, seeing all this as a kid, mm-hmm. how did it affect you? Did you say, yo, Dr. Bay, I want to be that," or "I want to have that power," or "I want to be in the motorcade"?
0: Like, no, I never wanted to be Dr. Bay um, for whatever reason. Though it's not like it was just a conscious thing. It's because what well, what happen is a lot of the families that would come there, they would take on the last name of Bay, right? Even if they wasn't like a part of it, it was like mm-hmm. that was the type of culture. But our family maintained our Muhammad presence so i was i I enjoyed our own identity as our family, so I never wanted to be a bay, mm-hmm. right? Um, and also didn't you know, I seen the men that was around him and what they did, right, which made the organization great. And that's why I never look at things and look for one person. I look for the people around us making the organization work, mm-hmm. right? Because Dr. Bay started the bakery with all these health products. I mean, the food was amazing, right? But at the same time, you had other men that allowed it to grow. They went and go get different um, outlets in different areas and they go get different. And then they started a security company and they had a security, most of the security business in Oakland. And then they had a EM Health Services and all these other things popped up. These weren't doctor-based specialties. These were the men in the organization that knew what it's called taking a letter to Garcia, my father calls it. Where it's like, you know, it's this thought process of, you know, uh, a person that takes initiative, right? Like, he started the organization. He didn't need all the other expertise. He gave him a foundation and a platform for them to go produce these other things and bring it back, mm. right? So the whole idea is you got to be surrounded by people who take that letter to Garcia, and that letter to Garcia is saying that, David, if I say, yo, take this letter to Garcia. Now... Depending on your mindset, you're going to be like, yo, who Garcia? Where is he at? Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why do I need to take the letter? Right. You know? But some people are going to be like, you gave me the letter? That's all I need. I'll figure it out. Right? Yeah. And that's my style of teaching. That's my style of leading. Like, I'm not going to give you everything. I'm going to give you enough for you to complete your mission. But you have to take initiative and bring that letter back.
1: Yeah, you know, when me, me growing up, I saw entrepreneurs or I saw um, people who started something but I never got a chance to be around an environment or or a um, yeah, an environment that was created by somebody and you could see all the pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, yo, you're as a kid, you're seeing this. Okay, I see Dr. Bate, but he got all this other stuff going on around him, which makes sense in the way mm-hmm. that you move now. Because when I met you, you uh, you were on tour with um, uh, Ben. Uh-huh. RZA. Derrick, Derrick. RZA, yeah. Blue and it Red seems like Hill, you're Hill, always being their yep. PA. Absolutely. It seems like you're always in an organization and it's never, I'm 19 Keys, I roll by myself. Yeah. But you think that's, that comes from you seeing...
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I had to think back on that. I said, why am I always choosing the hardest things to do? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> it's trying to uplift black people and create family businesses in these organizations of black men. And, you know, it has to do to my environment. But even when I was a child, we had uh, a—so I was born in Oakland. I mean, born in St. Louis. We left when I was two, so I was raised in Oakland. But then, you know, I go back and forth because of my mom and my father's marriage. So in middle school, I think from the fifth grade up until my one year in college, I went to a different school every year. You understand me? So I was always switching different environments. So that's why it's like hard for me to just pinpoint one thing because I was always in these different environments learning different things. But throughout the years, you understand me, when it came to being in different groups, I remember even in the streets, we had a group called B Block. And we was like the younger brothers of all of the local neighborhoods because in St. Louis, specifically when it was in the streets out there, it's like a different hood every street. You understand me? So, you in a five-block radius, kind you might at be at war in with three hoods. hoods. Some of them be at war with each other. You understand me? You talking about daily people pulling up, just shooting at you so they can get stripes. They don't even really know who you are. don't have a real beef with you whatsoever. So, we being young and all of us, you know, some of us going to middle school or high school together. And on different sides of the fences, we called it B-block. Blood, Slokes, hard, Clips, Connect. You understand me? So, we was a little terrorizers in the neighborhood. But I thought about was that. you in the
1: street skis? Was you out here?
0: You don't know. I was moving. Really? About, but I mean, I grew up in Oakland and St. Louis. You cannot not be in the streets. You mm. understand me? And I didn't come from like a wealthy family. So we stayed in the hood everywhere we went. You mm. understand me? So and, and but I'm I'm amazingly happy for that opportunity, as I call it an opportunity now. But
1: Well, what did what did you learn? Because there's gonna be a parent that's watching this who has a 14 year old son that's raising havoc. Yeah. What was what were the lessons, and what could have some what could someone have said to you to get you out earlier?
3: Mm, that's
0: a great question. See, my dilemma was the fact that I already knew what the I didn't know exactly what the streets was until you have experience with it, right? Yeah. At an early age, my parents, you know, instilled Islam and taught me I was a god at and, and these different ideas, right? But you, as a child, you don't understand them; you just take them because they're given to you, right? So it requires you know, knowledge itself and true development to actually understand what these things mean and whether you truly accept them based on your understanding, right? So growing up in the streets, you know, I still had the duality of being a Muslim, but then also being a street nigga, right? So I knew right from wrong, basically, you understand me? But I still got caught up in the pressure of the environment. And so for me, it more so took me to go through that experience Because I don't not sure if it would have just if it could have been one thing. I think it would have been more so opportunities that would have been provided that would have took my focus in a different direction. Mm. Right? Because what we wanted was money. What we wanted was opportunity. You understand me? We wanted some upward mobility, right? And the streets provide drugs, the streets provide crime as those opportunities within and, and what you think is integrity. Meaning that I ain't got to go work for a job or a manager telling me what the fuck to do, and I'm this street nigga who I think version. I am. Give
1: me the edited
0: version. Oh man, that was the edited. Thank <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay, and what, what what age group is this when you're in St. Louis?
0: Um, so let me see. I went to freshman year in high school, which I was probably around 16. You understand me? I was in St. Louis, and also. Middle school, because I had just left Oakland probably around 13, 14 years old, finished off middle school there, went to my freshman year, right? And also sophomore year, and then went back to Oakland.
1: And when did you start like your entrepreneurial journey? Whether it was selling drugs or what have you? Oh.
0: Well, yeah, that was probably like early, like five years old, because I remember myself hustling these little toys I had, Mm. right? It was like these little frogs, you press them down and they'd jump up and jump up and jump up. And it was a saviors day and a saviours day is basically a national Muslim holiday. You understand me? And I remember taking those to Savior's Day and I had a bag full of them and I hustled them off to every kid and parent that was there, came back and they was gone. Five. Yeah. But I also don't know why I did it at that time. I think I just like it wasn't the money, I had nothing to spend money on. I just It was the feeling of accomplishment, Mm -hmm. you understand me? Having the thought that I can do something and then going through and doing it and proving it to myself. Gotcha. Gotcha. You understand me? So, And then, you know, from there, before the drugs come in, you know what I'm saying? We was shoveling snow. We was going door to door, doing hustles. Like, you know, we was doing, you know... Any matter of things, like I always found myself trying to figure out a way how to get my own money, and then I had a, my older brother who was giving me game as well.
1: As a five-year-old, you're obviously you're, you're you're starting this business. You don't know why you just do it. Yeah. And it begs the question: Is entrepreneurship like meant for some people and others just not? Is is, is, is entrepreneurship made or is it like in you already innate?
0: I think the high-level entrepreneurship is innate. And, and I think what the entrepreneurship really is, is that will to accomplish, like having the thought.
1: It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
0: In your head and wanting to see it outward, because entrepreneurship starts with an idea, right? You have an idea that you think is going to work. And then you have this bridge in between of all of the execution that you need to do in order to produce that reality. And a lot of the entrepreneurs do work with that end in mind. They see that vision What is it like if I sell 10,000 of this product? Mm -hmm. What is it like if I get 100,000 subscribers? So everything else is just in between that. You understand me? So you go on that journey every single day till you get to that destination. And then as an entrepreneur, you know, if, if you're that type of person that is truly doing it just for that sense of accomplishment, as soon as you get there, I need a higher goal. I need another destination. Right? Because that's why people tell you don't do it for the money. Because the money going to burn you out. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Because once you get the money, you're trying to figure out, Mm -hmm. like, damn, I ain't got the fulfillment, though. So it's the accomplishment that gives you the fulfillment. And money is the byproduct of accomplishment. Gotcha. Well, moving
1: forward after, obviously, your drug sales. Yeah, well, you know. Then what what do we get into? (laughs) I know you're a drug dealer, but I didn't know. I
0: (laughs) I don't know why. I I I didn't didn't think you were a ghost. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It wasn't, this wasn't a power, was you know i mean, people like, you imagine me as a drug, that I was that kind, if that's the case. Right. But I wasn't, you know, just heavy moving bricks and things of that nature. I, I, I sold a some weed. good amount of I weed, weed and, and, and a few but other my things. Thing is but, I
1: sold like just enough to eat and buy yeah. teas.
0: Yeah, I had two so phones, hard. you know, before Kevin really? Gay said it, yeah. He was out here. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now no, that I see it, you do like a drug deal a little bit. I mean, I can, I can see it now, you know what I mean? But not, not like peddling more you know. Yeah, mm. no, you
0: know, that was just a byproduct of environment. That's what everybody in the hood was doing to, to eat. And how you saying? get out of that? Um, Well, I got arrested. You understand me? I had caught several cases. Really? Um, yeah. Did y'all know that? I didn't know. This is new information for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. February 22nd, 2000 and, what was it, 10, I think, was when I beat my case. Um, but that was a case for assault. But um I caught some minor cases, you understand me, and a couple of felonies or whatever, but I took them to court and I, I beat them. And the last one we took the to trial and we beat.
1: And was, what was the trial? The, the last one was assault?
0: Yeah, that was in Oakland, California. What happened? Uh well, they said we assaulted Allegedly. somebody, you understand me? And the glove didn't fit, man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you remember the scenario? Are you allowed to talk about the scenario? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was and then, it, and it, then the lessons. Some, somebody okay. accused me
0: of being um, somewhere uh, beating a ass, and you know the the court said that I was not guilty of such accusations. They're so somebody tried do to it snitch on it? me. Okay. Um, they pointed me out in court, seen the video, but the first time it's funny because. Dude was like, nah, I don't see him there. And then you see the cop nudging him in a direction like, you sure you don't see him here? You understand me? And he like, oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He was there. You understand me? So that was good evidence, though, for court. I really wish I had that video. I would have definitely put that up. Really? Um, But yeah, that was a, a great learning experience because, you know, scenarios like that shouldn't happen. Shouldn't have happened in my life in the first place. You understand me? But I'm glad it did because I learned so much going through that trial.
1: Yeah.
0: You understand me? That was a very pivotal point in my life where, you know, what I learned from that the most part, my older brother was my co-defendant in that case, but he was fighting the case from behind bars. You understand Your me? brother's already
1: locked up. Yeah, he for was locked up for a
0: separate case already. Separate. So, you know, I believe he was on parole at the time. You understand me? Or probation. And so they revoked his probation and they wouldn't give him bond. And so as we going through it, I remember him giving me some books to read because he in there heavily reading. He's he's an avid reader. And so I'm reading these books. It's It's a one was like The Art of Deception, some things about Socrates and just some other things to like understand the language of the courts. That's the language that they utilize. Right. And so. As I'm reading these books, I also start studying up case law and and different things that can possibly help me out with my case, different motions that my lawyer could possibly file to get certain things dismissed. And I had this fat, fumbling, you know, white guy that was a lawyer. He reminded me of the guy from Fred Flintstone. And did you hire him or was like, no, it was one that was appointed by the state. Mm. You understand me? And I remember after I beat my case, he telling me like, yo, I ain't gonna lie, this is like the first case I won. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> but I remember telling him certain things to do in order to beat the case that he would have never did because I, I was like, no, I need you to foul this motion." He's like, I don't know. I said, no, I need you to do that. You know what I'm saying? And he did it and wow. it actually worked. And he was like, oh, well, it worked. I'm like, that's good, man. <laughs> like, you're supposed to be giving me these ideas. Right. So I remember going through the full case um, Co defendants got their case as a mistrial, but when it came to me, I got mine completely uh, dismissed as not guilty, right? I mean, that means that all the jurors decided that, you understand me, I needed to become Big Keys. You know what I'm talking about? They seen the future. They said seen it. But anyway, what I learned though, man, is when I was locked up, because I was locked up for a month, like in Iowa, I think. You understand me? I was on this internship selling magazines door
1: to door, stupidest Hold on, you say. hold on. You were you were locked up while you're awaiting trial
0: for a month? For a month I was locked up when they first picked me up right. and they ran my name. Cause some gotcha. white folks said there's some black kids in the neighborhood and they look suspicious, right? We actually wasn't doing anything illegal. Um I gotta ask you
1: this though. Do you are you cool with any white people? Like friends, <laughs> like a like a, a close friend. Yeah, I know
0: white, white people. Listen, my whole thing is this. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like people that keep it 100. You understand mm-hmm. me? So white folks that actually that are more blunt about what they feel and what they think, I respect more. Good. I don't like the closet racist. I don't like the ones that smile in front of your face and act like you cool. You understand me? Like, if I have a person a conversation with a white person, I'm going to be myself. And we go going to both speak bluntly about what we think and believe on the situation. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I believe that white folks have a responsibility that they're not taken care of. And that's to check their own shit. Mm. Like their own people? Yeah, I mean, let's look at it like this. For me, it's a simple analogy. Um, the history books in America, completely distorted and made up lies, right? Like, there's some very obvious things that black people did that white people just took credit for. And uh, what I look at it is... Give me is, one, give me one. Um, everything. Everything. Um, <laughs> For real. <laughs> Jazz, goddamn. I mean, we can we can really go down a list of inventions and uh, uh historical figures. Jesus is one of them if you want to, right? But what I look at it like this is that, you know, imagine if all black people decided that we want to believe Steve Jobs is black, right? I start spreading this rumor because we like the iPhone. And everybody just all around, unanimously like, yeah, no, he black. And we just Created, we paint a picture of him being black. And this is normalized. We would be crazy as hell. Like, that's some sociopathic thing for you to believe in the opposite of reality and everybody's accepted it. But we've accepted this normative behavior of this sociopathic, you know, uh, um, ideas that spread and that's known as his story. Right. Which is completely fabricated truth. Mm. You understand me? Or, or falsehood rather. I mean, we go look at the Egyptians. You go into the Egyptians, you're going to see fully melanated, dark skinned pictures of black folks, and they're going to say, Well, that was the only color they had. <laughs> like, come on now. It's like, it, to me, it's just, you know, I, I believe that if you are a righteous, conscious human being, you can't go along with the lie. Yeah, for that. You know, yeah, I feel like. You know. I didn't want to
1: interrupt your story. Yeah, but no, that's know, fine. The, the you know, people.
0: and yeah. also if, you know, if we are friends and family, then how come we don't have the same amount of equity in this country that you have? So that's a yeah. right that they have to correct based on redlining, right? Based on creating the projects, based on uh, the welfare system, pipeline to prison, abortion clinics, and a multitude of other different things that they set in play specifically to keep Black folks from having wealth. So you can't tell us it's our job to fix it when y'all started it. We're going to do our part, but y'all the ones really have a responsibility to fix everything y'all did. And until we get
1: reparations, run me my check. Yeah, how, okay, how, how long do you think it would take to reverse the, um, the, uh, the effects that uh, black people went through? and that put us here in terms of um, being disadvantaged how many generations because you advocate for your people black people but Mm -hmm. I know you'd be frustrated with us too absolutely all the time how many like how long what what do you think it takes because one it's always going to be more of them than it is of us
0: not true Um, so there's an actual year that you can point to specifically in America. There's a declining of the white race that's going on specifically right now. So they are having fewer births. You understand me? Then people are being born. So you can go to certain towns in America and there's a declining rate, right? And they're dying out. And so there was a statistic, I think, put out by the National Geographic that at a certain year, the average person will look like Obama. You understand me? Mm. Because it's going to be all mixed. And so the gene pool is not strong enough to continue to have this dominance in America specifically because they don't dominate all over the planet Earth. We are the majority over the planet Earth. And one of the things that you know we have to do is you are a minority if you can't take care of yourself and you're not connected to the majority. And us being a people that divide ourselves, that's the reason we are minors. You understand me? Is we simply are not connected to the rest of the diaspora. But what happens if the 45 million black people in America connect with the 2.5 million in the UK? Our numbers just went up. You understand me? Then we go connect with all the black folks, the largest dominated black folks out there in South America and Brazil. Numbers go up exponentially. Then we go over to Africa, numbers go up. So it's our division that makes us minors. You understand me? And the one thing that they can do is they can agree on the past, even if it's a lie. We can't agree on anything. So we have to come to treaties, agreements, cooperation, right? That's what people talk about, the utopian idea of unity. And it is powerful if we could do it. But we have to get to points to where it's like, what do we agree on? Mm-hmm. You understand me? Even leadership in different states can agree. Mm-hmm. You understand me? Even influencers with platforms can agree. Everybody wants to be this idea of this boss. And most thing that they're immolating is some white guy that they've seen in a corporate position, whom life that they want. Will right? that
1: ever change, though?
0: Yes, it's going to have to change. Has ever changed? Time yeah. changes all things. Number one, but also number two, you know, it has to be very intentional, right? Very intentional. I don't. I think that when you talk about specifically how much time has black people in America been free, right? And the idea of freedom first has to come in mind because freedom doesn't look like, oh, you're a chattel slave and you're bonded with chains on you. Freedom is anytime you don't control your own mind and your will. You understand me? And in America, black people don't control their own mind and will. We running under everybody else's agenda. You understand me? We couldn't even keep the civil rights issue in America at the forefront as the most prominent thing that needs to be addressed. The sexual agenda comes. You understand me? The Asian agenda, Jewish, everybody's is ahead of ours right now. Ours is at the least of important. You understand me? Everybody's is the new civil rights. So we didn't even focus enough because we allowed them to divide us based on all their agendas, which was not our priorities, Mm -hmm. right? So we have to reprioritize, number one, wealth building. And I think that we start with the foundation of wealth and education, right? Because if we can teach, and then of course the implications of Um, adding morals and values into a generation as well. But if we can control the education, we can control the way the next generation thinks, which controls the world that they create and they participate in. Because our genius are usually, they they get, you know, uh, um, our sort of scholarships and they might be in a Mensa club and then they go work for another institution that's historically white-owned. Right? They don't say, how can I take all of this genius and figure out how I can help my culture? Yeah. Education is not an individual, it, it was never made just for the individual. It was made so that individual, right, can work for the group enterprise. Mm-hmm. How can this individual go back and add value to the group in which they are a member of? Yeah. And we don't think as a group and a member of culture, because the moment that we come out of whatever you know culture that we believe we held from, we start to step into a class once we get money. Mm-hmm. And that class separates us from our culture.
1: Did you ever just internally feel yourself changing as money came? Nah. From where you were to, I mean, at some point.
0: Well, you I, know, I, I always had good taste, though. I always had luxury taste. You understand me? So the things that I want now was the things I always wanted. And so outside of the stuff, but
1: feeling. Um, the feeling of freedom? arrogance, did hmm. ever creep? Uh, people
0: called me arrogant when I was broke. So you've been, you've been <laughs> 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 No, but you know, I, I, that, that, somebody asked me this question yesterday, actually. Mm-hmm. And we was talking about, they asked me about Kevin Samuels and the high value men thing. And my, my thought process. Boy, I,
1: I, I saw him. I don't know what he represents and all that. He's a
0: stylist in Atlanta that people listen to. Oh, he's um, in Atlanta?
1: I didn't know he was a stylist. I thought he'd just be talking spicy to women. He be talking crazy. I just did...
0: yeah,
1: because I was I was searching him and it's just like it's like clips of his sound bites
0: and he be talking crazy. Yeah, that spicy talk gets you them numbers. He's a so, spicy boy.
1: You know? You know? <laughs> you know?
0: Nah, man, I seen the brother before ordering some food at Chick Fil A. Did you it? say to him? Nothing. His energy was off. He was complaining to the people. Mm-hmm. You, you know. know? You know, most of the time I have camaraderie with people who got that masculine energy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So if I don't have anything, you know, in common with you, then there's no bridge for us to connect. I feel
1: like. You know what I'm saying? And so, what what were you saying? You were saying something about Kevin Sands. I forgot my point.
0: Uh, Oh, yeah. So, just the thought process of what a high value man was and whether money made you a high value man. And, you know, and I defer to the difference that, no, character does. You understand me? You can get with a man for what he has or you can get with him for who he is, you know, and those are two different things. And what he has doesn't provide, you know, the necessities to produce a healthy family, right? Somebody that's going to protect you spiritually, mentally, financially, spiritually, um, emotionally, rather, you know, that's completely different. If you're choosing a partner that you want to be with, that's going to be good for you, right? And because we have to get to this thing called family. If we don't do family right, we can't do anything. Are you dating? Are you single? I'm dating, man. You know what I'm saying? I, come on, like, now you'll put me all on the spot. I, mean, I, I don't know. I
1: mean, I'm
0: married. No, I'm not married
1: yet. Right, you know right. what I'm talking about? Is it is it hard dating? Uh, like you have a massive following, and you're not just one of the people. Like people look at like, oh, keys is so cute. Like you are, you affect the brain, and people love the thought process behind it. You know what I mean? So is it challenging dating? Because I'm sure people will be throwing themselves at you. Well, you know,
0: it's, it's, it's more so about me being a particular type of human being on this planet Earth and finding and being with someone who can understand me. You understand me? Even, you know, to the point where I'm not looking for someone who's going to match me intellectually. Right? That that wouldn't make sense for me, right? Because of, and also the multitude of different type of experiences that I have, I'm going to have a different perspective and outlook on life. You understand me? So it's more so just finding someone who has that openness and willingness to learn with me along that journey and we can grow together. Because if I'm looking for somebody qualified for day one, nobody going to fill that position.
1: That was, understand a me? An- that was a good answer. Very I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Very presidential answer. Yeah. <laughs> are the DMs crazy though? D- I mean, I think everybody, I mean, people mostly hit me. My DMs up. like Joe, right, right. Joe, no, Joe does my DMs and know, joints him, are dry. Don't nobody wow. should wow. be shot ever. Wow. Wow. Never. It's crazy. You
0: know, I always say the best way to flirt with an entrepreneur is with a receipt. You know what I'm talking about? So That's as smart. long as no receipts is flooded, you know what I'm talking about, we're good to go. So is it hard dating, Or are you? Um, you just having- I think in whether it's me or anybody else specifically. Not even just you. Me and my position, I think it's definitely hard, right? You know, number one, I speak truth to power, so you got to be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. You understand me? You may already have a certain association with people, and they they definitely not going to think like me. You understand me? So (laughs) there's going to be also moments where I have to be empathetic and sit there and explain what I mean so that understanding can set in.
1: Right. Right. Anybody ever t- took you home to their parents and their dad was like, "Nah, uh, <laughs> no. not uh-uh. this guy." Nah, that don't happen. You understand me?
0: And you'd be ever so lucky. You know talk about <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> you understand me? Like it's, it's just I understand my value, mm. you know, and it's not too many men on the planet Earth that's like me, you know. So at the end of the day, I'm not looking for another man's approval
1: on me. Mm. You understand me? He may have to learn something as well. You That's know? crazy, bro. Cause I did I struggle with that. Because right. I definitely care what people think about me.
0: Nah, nah. Because I know people don't even know what they really think about themselves.
1: <laughs> you know? Dang, that was hard. <laughs> <laughs> Please clap that God. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't know why I struggle with it. Like I really care when people don't like, because I feel like you're gonna leave here and you're gonna like tell somebody else, and then they're gonna tell, then I got a bad name. And I hate that, bro. How would I how would I get no, out I of No, I it? mean, I you know. It?
0: For me, because, you know, that's not a thing that I worry about, I think about people are who they are. You understand me? And one of my sayings is that's just a programming. People go react to how they react, whatever is going to be, in every level of success is going to create a new reaction in another person. Because you are someone else's environment, right? And people react to environment. So for me, it's like what another person thinks of me don't matter. And my more so thought process is how good am I projecting who I really am to the world? How good am I projecting who I really, who am, I really to the world? am to the world? Because we create illusions all the time. We, it's like if I go home and sleep at night and I measure myself by the accomplishments of 19 keys, that's an illusion. That's me filtering myself through an accomplishment. So I think and, and that makes me feel about myself a certain way. People get accomplishment all the time. You get a viral video. Hey, I'm now that person. Do you know me? Do you see me for that thing? Mm, Can you see my value through this new illusion I've created? And you have people that just walk around living out their illusions. And you have to get to a point where, you know, you do project an image to the world so that the world can receive and interact with you a certain way. But you have to get to points where you graduate beyond your own illusions. You don't become them. That's what you give to the world so they can interact with you properly based on how you want to be received. That's how you design yourself. Gotcha. gotcha. You understand me? So for me, I think about points of redesigning myself and I know how effective I am because I do listen to feedback. Mm -hmm. You understand me? I might listen. I, I digest feedback, whether it's in the comments, whether it's in the DM, whether it's a secondhand conversation about me, you know, whether it's comments on YouTube. Those are people telling me what my brand is. You understand mm. me? That's what branding is. It ain't what you marketing. What you say about yourself? I branding see. is what other people say about you, and what they go take it to other people. Got you. So I've been taking it personally instead of looking at it as feedback. Feedback. I do. So now this is what they think about you. Okay, where do you want to pivot it? What do you want them to think about you? And what are you projecting to put those filters in people's mind? That's it's true. like you see a woman on Instagram, and she's beautiful, right? Makeup. She might have a filter on, right? that image that you got of her is what made the first impression in your mind. So if you see her in person and she doesn't look like the image, the filter that you have, there's a disappointment. But then it also...
1: Promo code, big deal at checkout, and get your tickets now. Don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights, take your brand to new heights, take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer. Okay, I'll see you at the summit, and don't forget to use promo code Big Deal.
0: Lends this credibility to where you keep seeing the image more than you see her for real.
3: You mm. understand
0: me because that's what you fell in love with—is the idea and the feeling of what this image produced for you. Right? So we have an a, a interesting false reality because we're getting data points from Instagram and that's building up the images that we think about the people that we interact with. But that doesn't mean that that's them. That's what they're doing to
1: feed the algorithm for success. Wow. Goodness gracious. All right. So I, I, when I met you, we were, um, uh, I think you were selling apparel, maybe? You're selling a you had, I like had a the clothing, You had like a clothing store.
0: Yeah, I had the Musayo clothing store out in Oakland, California. When I fired Prada, I went and created my own.
1: When you fired Prada? Yeah, I fired. Them. You were working there? Yeah. You yeah. had a job. I had one of them jobs. How was it? Can y'all imagine keys? Like a job. You know? Like, yo, I wear the shit, try it on, put it down, you come back and fold it. Like.
0: Yeah, it was niha ma, soma. I was in there speaking Mandarin. I was selling everything luxury. They was giving me commission on it, gave me a good hourly. It was my first time making six figures.
1: You made six figures as a sales associate? I,
0: my first year, I sold three and a half million dollars worth of product for them. You understand me? And our percentages will go up based on our bonus months, whether we will beat them at certain points in period of time. So for real, I seen a way to exploit the system because I knew the kind of value that they was going to do. They had just opened up this store. And I just thought about like, man, y'all put me in that environment. I want to make all the money. So I did, you know, and the person that was second behind me selling, they was probably like a million and a half behind me. Mm. You understand me? That just lets you know, you know, what I mean the quota that I was reaching. They got to a point where they was mad because I'd be servicing five customers at a high level, speaking Chinese, English, joking, laughing, making hella sales all at once. I mean language forty thousand know? dollar days. How well, many languages you know? I mean, maybe not fluid in all of them, but I speak money. I speak <laughs> <laughs> Black empowerment, you know what I'm saying? I speak unity. I speak uh, uh, the spiritual laws of the universe. I speak some Mandarin. Um, I took a lot of French, don't speak much now. Um, some Spanish, you know, and mostly, you know, some of the King's English and some of God's Ebonics.
1: What is King's English and God's Ebonics?
0: Yeah. Explain some of that. Man, the King's English, man, that's what was handed down from the King, man. King of England and- you know speaking this Phoenician language of England, English, right? Uh meaning, you know, just speaking in proper terms. I well, got messaged- Hey
1: y'all, I ain't gonna lie, man, they sent me this Yuffie lock. Think about being on the couch, someone rings the doorbell, your child left their key at school, and they
0: They, and I got that vernacular. You know what I mean? That big guy energy, that's that guy's, you understand me, where you create your own language because every level of consciousness comes with a new language. I've always been that type of person to where I never believed in the concept of it's not a word. Everything is a word if you use it and you have a definition behind it and an intent that you're expressing.
1: That's dope. Yo, that frees me up because I use words. I will be coming up with stuff all the time. It yeah. seemed like it fit right there.
0: But if you go look up most words... Sometimes it was just because Shakespeare used it, right? Or some aristocrat used it, and they wrote that down. That's a new word. They put it in the book, and they'll show you the origins. It was first used by some random white guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's essentially what the description is. So I'm like, well, if that's a description, and that's the criteria for creating language, how come we can't create our own language?
1: Yo, that's real, because there's certain words, let's say, twerk, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know when it was a word, but... It's recent, right? Yeah, that really gave me some entrepreneurial gems, though, because some of us are like really worried about, well, it hasn't been done before, or we shouldn't do it this way. Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: It's,
1: it's to me, I
0: just look at blueprints to success. You understand me? It's like these folks created institutions. That's how they got in power. We need to create institutions. That's how we get in power. They created language. That's how they control the way people think. We create language, control the way we think. They created the calendars, the time systems, the Gregorian and the Julian Julian calendar. They controlled and got the world on a one world system. So now that's literally their time that they are got people in increments of 60 seconds, 60 minutes. You understand me? A 12-month calendar telling you, we need you to work in these increments of time for us. Needs you to be here at nine to five, which is literally controlling your time. So how do you control your world? Well, do the things that the masters did. That's
1: how you become a master. So did you make, did you have this realization when you quit Prada? I didn't quit. I fired him. When you fired Prada? Yeah. Well,
0: you know, the Honorable Minister Louis Farcon was doing the um, anniversary of the Million Man March at the time. What year is this? This was, I, I want to say 2015. Was it 2015? Something
1: like that. Y'all, know, y'all was there? It was there,
0: 2015. So I remember playing it and blasting it. And you know, I always spoke the way I spoke. Even when I was at the job, you understand me? I remember uh, the manager at the job was telling me how he listened to Rush Limbaugh. And I was like, well, I listen to Minister Farrakhan. (laughs) And he was like, maybe we should have political conversations. I said, that'd be right for you, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Because I realized that the way you go in, that's how you maintain your integrity. A lot of people go in there with their head down, you gotta keep your head down. Because one day you come with your head up, they say, you switching. Are you doing too much? So I, I went in there high power. Um, but what was your question? The transition leaving your job. So the transition leaving the job was, anyway, at the 1010 anniversary, I remembered a call. And it was, you know, it was, it, it was he needed 10,000 soldiers, 10,000 fearless. You understand me? Um, He talks about doing for self, and that's something I always push. But it's like, am I a hypocrite? Because even though I got what's considered to be a good job, I'm still working for the white man. So how can I consider myself to be a black guy? And I know for a fact that if I can do this amount for them, I know I can do that amount for myself. Mm -hmm. You understand me? So... I just decided that, and, and you know, I was the type of person, I kept them on eggshells. I was letting them know I was going to fire them any day now. You understand really? me? So you was like, you always been like this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I worked around an industry of people who are completely 1,000% opposite to me. So I had to go in there in order for me to be comfortable Is create my environment, which requires me
1: to make other people uncomfortable. And then it makes it hard to fire somebody that make all the sales, too. So.
0: That's exactly what <laughs> it was about. They can't yeah. talk to you crazy. So they they had a very rigorous process of hiring people. And it was hard a process of them firing people. Mm-hmm. So once I understand the net of value, you understand me, is that what happens when you fire this person? Right. Because some people are easier replaceable than others. Facts right? But I understood my value and I always created barriers. You understand me? Between them and them closing the gap of my value. Like I need, nope, I'm the only one to talk to this client, that client, that client, that client, whatever it may be. So therefore they know that, well, if we get rid of him, that's going to decrease our sales. You're already not making your sales go. You understand me? So you definitely, what you going to fire me because you know what I mean? I, I, I walk in here with a certain type of energy. You understand me? Or, you know, um, I might be late 10 times?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. but, but what made
0: you leave? Like, so what was that moment? That was it, was, it was really a jump off the cliff moment. You understand me? Like Steve Harvey talks about. And at the time, to be honest, I wasn't prepared financially to even do it. But it was just one day I got dissatisfied, and they said, 100% dissatisfaction brings about a change. And I said, man, if I can't be myself... I can't go take the opportunities that I want to take beyond the borders of this workspace. I need to fire them. And I remember Mr. Fab, I, at the time I had, I was hustling the clothes, right? But I didn't have a storefront. But I put some of my bro, Mr. Fab, he's a rapper out in Oakland. You understand me? Uh, a, a legend. And he had wore one of my shirts, said as i on the front. He wore it in a video. I believe it was after the shooting of uh, Castile. I don't want to say the name wrong. But it was after the shooting, the brother got shot 10 times. And he had made a song called 10 Shots. And it had, it was on XXL magazine and all of the different platforms. And some of the ox out in um Kansas City was like, man, I didn't know you had Muslim gear, things of that nature. So they had end up flying in town. And it was like, nah, I wanna buy everything. Like they wanted to spend a couple of thousand dollars worth and just, mm. you know, buy a bunch of inventory. And Bab was like, man, I ain't got enough to supply them. Can you pull up? I happened to be off that day. Mm-hmm. You understand me? So I grabbed everything, skirted over there, pulled up, and lo and behold, they bought everything. And that 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 brother, man, he really supported me a lot throughout that journey. He ended up buying thousands of dollars and even investing into the business. All
1: right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I gotta tell you, finally, you asked for it, and we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're like minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships. Okay, so check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is, um, the support is appreciated. Okay, thank you so much. Now back to the episode.
0: You know, and I remember just thinking like. And if I was at work, I could never take the opportunities that would allow me to fire the job and go chase the dream. You understand me? So I could not justify being there, you know. And an opportunity had happened where, well, I'm calling it an opportunity. I had gotten into a fight. You know, I'm, I'm outside. The, I'm wearing, job. Nah, the job. No, oh. not at the job. I'm wearing my suit. I'm at um, Oakland. I'm sitting outside this, it's like a lounge area. It's like in the street. Um, on Telegram. Telegraph, rather, and somebody was bothering me. They told me to move out of seat. So I looked at him like, hey, gotta be wild You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I said, brother, just, just chill out. I said it just like that, because that's how I usually am. I'm calm in situations. I'm not, you know, overly rowdy. So he proceeds to, to get up. You understand me? And that's when I proceed to utilize my hands in a manner that he ain't like. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so, lo and behold, Um, That was a situation where when I got to the car, I realized I had blood on me. So I'm thinking that's natural because I handled my business. But I realized that I was bleeding a little bit, too. You see the scar right here? Understand me? I had broke my thumb. So I ended up having to go to the hospital, and that allowed me to get a couple of months off of work. I milked it. You know what I'm saying? Because I realized that they pay you for being off work. I didn't know that they did that. So they paid me part of my commission and my hourly so I was like, why would I go back right now? Right. But during that time, it gave me the feeling of freedom again. Because I was working that job for a few years. You understand me? So once I got that and I'm able to go hustle and sell, I said, I can never go back to that damn workplace. Man, anymore.
1: so if you'd have never gotten that fight, yeah. you think you might still be in corporate? You never know. Nah. nah. You never know. mm I know it for a fact.
0: I know it for a fact. Especially because... making
1: six figures. That's comfortable
0: at a job. Because... I was never comfortable at a job, though. Definitely not that job. And that job was a unicorn as far as one being that, you know, I don't have a college degree. You know, I was able to really go in there and navigate that journey and create an opportunity for myself. Because I started off doing audits for them as loss prevention. You understand me? I finessed myself into a sales position because mm-hmm. I didn't have prior sales experience. Right. So that wasn't a trajectory that I was going for in the first place. Once I was able to Take all of the experience from that job. The thought process was always, how the hell is you going to do this for yourself? Because mm-hmm. that was the only way I was going to be respecting myself. Mm-hmm. Everybody else liked the job and things of that nature, but for me to respect me, I had to do something, you know, monumental. Yeah. You know, and even to this day, I got that same feeling. So fa- fast forward from obviously selling T-shirts, I think you're selling the gold water. You still sell gold water. Oh, yeah, it? we got all the gold water products, the high-end nootropic supplements, you understand me, mushroom line. Mushrooms? Yeah, we sell the uh like shrooms, not like not like them shrooms. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> uh, but my brother Bashir be having the shroom retreats though, so you know, and, and, and like the
1: shroom, like the ones you see on TV shrooms. Well, let me
0: tell you something about the shroom industry, man. Let me it, take my chain in out, in Oakland, man. We got nineteen <laughs> keys here. <laughs> Come on, man, shine with me, man. And, 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 with in <laughs> Oakland, California, <laughs> man. That was like one of the first cities to make it legal. So I believe that number one you have all of these big corporations and billionaires buying up all of the labs that's doing the research on it right now. And they are starting to do all of these mushroom retreats. So it's actually going to be a booming industry the really? same way the cannabis industry is. Psychedelic industry is going to take over, you understand me, in the years to come.
3: Really? But anyway, that's are not the shrooms? type of Anybody shrooms that I sell you?
1: though. Y'all not going to say it. You did? Nobody did? You did? You did? Ha! <laughs> you were hands me low like I did, you know what I mean? I was What was it like? Never mind, because... No, we got kids, why? Yo, yes?
0: Dang, that's wild. You know, okay. they micro in Silicon Valley. You know what I'm saying? That's the culture up there. And that's like the new wave? Of- it's Well, it has been a wave. They The a new legal wave that's coming in so they can corporatize legal? the industry. It's already legal in, in multiple states. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, people strong. What's me. the
1: justification for that? So we... I, I actually know don't they- know. I don't know why... No, because you know, like, marijuana, they say it's 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 municipal. I think it's
0: just lobbying. I I made up the words. Let me have my words.
1: Let me have my municipal.
0: It was just big money, I believe, lobbying for it to become legal because they see another industry like the cannabis industry.
1: No, but I'm saying, so cannabis, like, there there are certain, I guess, um, health reasons for that. But shrooms just make you trippy, right? Well, no, they have no? multiple medicinal purposes. You, know, you took them, Joe? Specifically for mental you health. Know, I've talked to people who, like, this one girl, she has, like, a um, shroom retreat, and she goes out into this lake area, and you take the shroom, and it's like, you have, like, this aphrodisiac, like, moment. and I don't, that's all she told went, Joe? I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay.
3: I, thought, I didn't, I
1: didn't know. I remember G. Bryant talking about it when he was on uh, Clubhouse.
3: He went somewhere out, and he took the shrooms, and he
1: had this, like, aphrodisiac moment where he was, like, really, like, in tune with himself and getting deeper to understanding who he is as a man. Listen, guys, don't take shrooms, okay? <laughs> okay? Because I know this seems like promotion right now. Like, we're definitely... Prom- okay, so, anywho. I well, forgot where I was. Let's start talking about...
0: No, nah, so I don't sell those kind of shrooms. Okay. Uh, what I do sell is the shrooms that are psychoactive, that have the nootropic effects, right? Such as lion's mane, which, you know, um, have regenerative properties when it comes to neurons in your brain. Right, so it increases focus. Right, it's something that they're utilizing to fight against Alzheimer's development. Right, and a multitude of other different things that it does. Um, but it is great for memory, great for focus, long term intake. Understand me over a persistent period of time. Um, then we have the cordyceps. Um, that one is good for what is a cordyceps? It's another mushroom. It's like a fungi mushroom. Right, um, and so it's like the actual. It's, it's like the actual like. Vegetable, so no, we're, not, so we're selling it in a capsulized form. So this particular product, one of them is called is Smart Moss. So Smart Moss is a combination of Lion's Mane, uh, Canterboy, CBD, and Sea and, uh, Moss, right, as a base. So all of those can also be forms of nootropics itself, CBD and Lion's Mane, right, because of what it does to the brain. So we wanted something, number one, it's like I got students, you got students. Everybody don't have great recall. They don't have great memories, you understand me? Can't sit there and focus. My recall's terrible. Right. And so when it comes to, a lot of people used to take Adderall, but they have terrible effects, right? And it's a close cousin to, um, um, what's the drug the white folks be taking? Um, meth. Um, not all
1: white people. I was joking. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think I asked Ben, I was like, yo, Ben, are all white people devils? I, cause, I mean, because you hear that. You feel me? From yeah. Like, I don't know if that's a, a true belief. Are they? I'm asking you. I don't think so. I think, um,
0: <clears throat> I think that there's an inherent nature that exists within white people across the planet. You understand me? Specifically in the example that I gave to where all people can be in an organized lie to dominate other people on the planet Earth.
1: And that is a very devilish culture. Yeah. here's the thing. Here's, here's what I do get. So you got... Black person, black, well, white man, black woman. They have a baby, light skin baby. light skin baby, black person, they got a black baby. It's the same line, but the grandfather has an inherent evil nature, but the child doesn't? How's that work? So,
0: he's going to be mixed, right? Mixed children usually are confused. They, on, they, they have identity crisis, and they're trying to pick one side or the other, right? Sometimes they on their black side. Sometimes they're on their white side, right? And we are different people. Right, but a lot you know of us came we- from
1: that, like yeah. slave master, yes. jobs, down, down, down. Yeah, like yeah,
0: that. yeah. Black people in America are a mixed people, but it also goes to who do you culturally refer to? Well, these are two different cultures, mm. right? Do you identify with white culture? No. Why not? I'm black. Okay, what does being black mean, though? What is black
1: culture? Black culture is, um, dang, that's, that's a really good question. First off, I asked the questions around your Right. Okay.
0: So, <laughs> so, you so, to me, huh? so, but <laughs> I'm saying, you are a businessman, you are a black man. If somebody comes in, right, and, and so we don't even realize we have inherent biases and, and we think about these things duality in duality and nature in the first place, right? If somebody says that, you know, here's a deal um, and you possibly got to cut your partner out, you understand me? But this is capitalism. And they say, uh, Chance, are you gonna, you know, take this deal as a white man or a black man? How you going do it, right? Morally, you're going to attribute one of those two people, you understand me, with more shrewdness than the other. That's real.
3: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: You understand me? So we already
0: identify consciously
1: like But if it's in a different culture, you ask a white child, hey, you gonna take this like a white man or a little black baby? They're gonna their concept of white is right. Right. And then black is true, Right, but see see how confusing in
0: that. And then, but when you get down to the essence of something, when you, essence, you're talking about the nature of it, mm-hmm. right? And in different situations, you realize the nature of that choice is different though, because these two people can be identified by their natures. Black people have been identified with a very forgiving, loving nature. That's why consequently we have been so oppressed by other people who come about and they utilize that nature that we have. We want to forgive everybody, you understand me? We don't hold those things in and we are emotional people and they know how to exploit those things. Vice versa, because also you have to take into account the climates in which we come from, which produces different natures. That warm climate, that warmth, you understand me? That's less thinking about survival. You understand me? We are melanated people who get our vitamins from the sun that activates us. We store that energy within our skin. And then vice versa, there was a guy who wrote, um, um, he talks about what's called the Cronus Complex, and it's called the Ice Age Inheritance. And it's a book, and it's about written by a white guy because he wanted to understand the nature of white folks, Mm. right? And one thing that he identified, he said, because they come from, well, early days coming from those colder climates, You understand me? It puts you in this conquering mentality, this survival mentality. When it's cold, you're always on the move. That's that stone cold killer mentality. And he identified that as this Cronus complex that you're never easy around people. You always have to be the dominant. You understand Mm. me? And so that also identifies in Freudian law. Freud talks about that in the white paradigm. He said that they always put the woman last. Right, you go through Roman and Greek times, and even in today, you know, Nineteenth Amendment, you had white women trying to fight for laws. You understand me? Because they put their woman last. They identify their son. If she can produce a son, then she has value in their paradigm. Mm-hmm. But she still, her value is still less than the son, right? And so the black family culture was man and woman. Here's his man, boy, then woman. So there's always this imbalance. There's always this in-house fight. You understand me? And then he's at war with his own children, meaning that you go to Greek philosophy and they talk about the Cronus complex because Cronon is increments of time. So it was known as father time and it was known as this parable of one generation fighting another. Right. And so you had, uh, 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 I believe it was Zeus fighting the Titans. You understand me? Because he feared the power of his children taking over his rulership. So, when you go and you look at study history, you show that in Roman times, they used to do what they call mentorship, where grown men would have a little boy that they had come in and they would break in. You understand me? And this is written history that a lot of the pedophilia comes from that culture, right? But this was open pedophilia. The philosophers, Aristotle and Shakespeare and, and, and Socrates, talked about these things openly and they described it as love is love, right? And so here we are in today's time where the thing was is that the young boy is going to be rebellious against the emerging paradigm because he has his own thoughts. So you have to figure out a way to instill and indoctrinate that young boy so that he can work for the paradigm, so he can work for the institution that the old men have. You don't want just some young, the, the, the next generation coming up and saying, no, we want to do things differently. So anytime they, they, they found that young boy that had that rebellious spirit, they'll break them in, you understand me, and then put them in a mentorship and teach them ideas and he'll grow up with that same cycle of behavior so that they can continue to perpetuate the paradigm. So it's like, that's not our culture though. So when you're identifying with culture, you're identifying with the historical norms of that culture, the values of that culture. Right. And I think when people think about white people, you're thinking that, oh, I'm trying to set aside every individual white person and saying that you are doing bad in your life. We're talking about the culture, right, that the values, the structure, the institutions that we historically know as white people, because nobody's skin is white. When we're talking about white people, we're talking about people who identify in that culture.
1: Mm. That actually cleared it up for me. I
0: appreciate
1: that. That was good. That was good, kids. Give him a round of applause. That was good. that was a really good answer. Okay, um, I, we, don't, we don't we don't have much time, but I do want to know like what's been going on these last couple of years. From um, kind of like so you still sell like your products, yeah. but You've taken it to a whole nother level, yeah. Like getting I'm on into the blockchain, the, yeah, yeah. Getting into the cryptocurrency, understanding the NFTs, teaching yeah. it to people as well. So have much you sold there. an NFT?
0: I sold my first NFT for $16,448. What was it? It was a um, 3D representation of uh, a coin. It's a 19. It says my 19 logo. It's a gold. And it has my crowns logo on the side of it. Um, And it was my first NFT that I had minted. Um, And it sold out, you understand me, in like 30 minutes.
1: So 16,000,
0: $16,000, $400. Well, it was Ethereum at the time, right? So that Ethereum is still sitting in that account. So really I probably had like 20% up to
1: So do you sell one NFT or a bunch of people can buy into this one NFT? Man, the
0: beauty of NFTs is you can do it however way you want to. So tell me about yours though. So that particular one, so I made a mistake on my first one. I wanted it to be a bid. I wanted that to be the floor price. Right? So the first floor price, meaning you're gonna come in at 16000 and you're gonna bid that price, and then you gotta get in a bidding war. But the, since it was my first one, I had little experience and I put it as a sale price. So the first person that came in was able to buy it. So I didn't create the bidding war that I wanted on that one.
1: Why did they buy it for $16,400? Because it's keys.
0: Nah. <laughs> but I get that. But. For real though, it's a part of my estate, right? One way that I explained NFTs early on EYL was understanding how to see things in a long time and what their value is going to be. Number one, it did come with utility, came with one-on-one consultation and a meetup, right? Um, and this person that bought that NFT, I'm actually going to help her push out her book, mm. right, as well. Now, that wasn't what was stated initially, but I wanted to add value, right, from this NFT that I created. In the way that I teach people about NFTs, because I teach what they call fungenomics, because NFTs are non-fungible tokens. You understand me? And so funginomics is understanding the system of how you create, NF- uh, make an NFT valuable. Why it's valuable. Understanding its value. Right? What is the economic model behind your NFT?
1: So, so walk me through this. She's in front of her computer. She sees Keys has this coin mm. for $16,000. Yes, sir. Why do you think she bought it?
0: Well, I believe that she has been following the brand. For a while now, yep. and she understands the type of value that I create okay. and wanted to be a part of the history of that value specifically as well being on the first. Right. You look at it like this um, Imagine, you know, uh, Obama, as uh, if, if he had social media, he was an influencer early, right? Mm-hmm. He got into the NFT thing, and you were to buy his NFT. He dies, and now you're selling a part of his estate. Because this is something that you directly got from him that has a transacted record on there showing you it came directly for him. Uh, you understand me? And now you've bought part of his history and his legacy. So what these essentially are, when celebrities or influencers do it, you're buying
1: a part of their estate. I Yo, I promise you, I've seen probably six videos on yeah. NFTs. I never understood it until right now. now it's like buying a basketball card. And yeah. we know... Somebody bought the basketball card for, I don't know, a pack was $2 back in the day, right? Yeah. There's a Michael Jordan card in there. Yeah. Before he started killing the game, you might think, oh, well, it's just Michael Jordan. So, but I, I think, I think that this person's gonna be great. So I put it in one of the plastic sleeves. Absolutely. And I put it up. And then now that that person on that card became something, that card becomes more.
0: Right. So that Other people want it, and then for to buy it, they have to buy it at a bid price. You understand me? And the value starts to go up, the scarcity, right? The the, 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 the rarity of the car and depending on that person. So they have all sorts of projects. One of them is called Top Shot, uh, where they're selling highlights of NBA players, right? For hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, not every project is going to be valuable in the future. But that's why I wanted to create the course to teach people how to identify and audit these projects, whether you're going in there and buying something, Um, that's going to be here today and it's not going to have value in the future or are you making an investment? So right now, you're talking about people buying stuff for $50 to $100 and they're flipping it upward to $100,000 on a daily basis right now. There's multiple projects right now that are out there on the blockchain because once you understand NFTs, it's about the strategies, how you utilize it. People think about the market. The market don't matter. It's about the technology. What does the technology allow you to do? Every single person should be utilizing NFTs in their business model. If not, your business model will soon be outdated. Blockchain has to be instituted in everybody's business model. It is a way where we can utilize it to close the wealth gap. You can teach a 12-year-old how to look at NFTs, go in early, buy projects, let them hold, and then you got people bidding war of $100, $200 to $1 million on them. That wasn't Um. an opportunity that was afforded to me when I was 12 years old. You understand me? And these are like real cases of young children minting their own NFTs, buying them and selling them. One little 12-year-old did 400000 in a couple months. So it's, for me, it's like, do you want to, is the young boy was named Ahmed. It's like, you want your children working for Ahmed in the future because he built this big old enterprise because he had an early start, and you just want to send them to college to get an education, to learn some skill sets, to work with somebody else and take orders? Or do you go teach them how to do for self navigate these new technologies, but most of it is because the parents are too lazy to learn it themselves.
1: Yo, Tarek has a board game. She created her own board game. She's selling a bunch of them joints, um, teaching real estate.
0: Yeah. How would she take that
1: as an NFT?
0: Well, depending on the board game, there's a lot of different things you can do. Because they're selling it
1: physically. She's selling it physically, too.
0: So one of the different strategies, because I teach multiple strategies, and one I would do is you would pair an NFT to a digital twin, is what it's called. Right. So you will go get a 3D artist to render a visual representation of that board. Once they buy that board, you understand me, then you automatically are going to send them a link and that link is going to have the option to check out for that board for free. Right. So now they just bought that board. The shipping process you can have automated and it will send them their board. Mm. So now the purchase is a certification that they bought the actual board itself. Right? So what you're going to do is you're going to utilize the blockchain as your way to create transactions. And the beauty of the blockchain is there are no refunds. You understand me? no there charge no chargebacks. <laughs> none of these things. This is why when you go look at somebody like what Tory Lanez did, right? He sold a million copies of his album at $1 each, right? Now, given that's a high value for a resale market, right? Because it's a million, so you're not really going to be selling them for 50000 Right right? But even if people start selling them for $2, they get to listen to the music and then they just flip their money, right? But what it does and what it really does, and this is the kicker and it is, it makes you the record label instantly. Because now you have this ability to get music to millions of people. You understand me? It's the transaction is instantly done and taken care of. You don't have no middleman whatsoever. You don't need no record label at all. You understand me? And you can you can use it as a distribution chain to get it everywhere. If Kanye West right now, if he was to, if he would have dropped Donda on the blockchain, everybody would have went and bought instantly downloaded it on their phone. And that's done. No in between record labels, mm. no Spotify, no iTunes, no title. None of that is it's, this is the new economic model is creating these waves to where you can be sovereign right in your business. So it's really cutting out all these middlemen who don't need to be getting a cut. They only getting a cut because these are old institutions who had money and were gatekeepers, right? For our wealth opportunities.
1: Dang, you gonna help me with my NFT? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's 20% commission. Look, man. Huh? 20% commission. I heard something about percent commission. It's just on the low, So He was speaking your language. Oh, for sure.
0: No, he's talking good. No, nah, but for real, I, I, I you know, I implore everybody to put their time in, their hours in. Um, Non-fungible tokens will be around. Um, They're going to be utilized for all sorts of different things in the future. You know, and you have projects like CryptoPunks and people are buying rocks at a million dollars, but there's so many different things. You can go in there. If you can't afford a whole one, you can do fractional ownership. You can do groups where you grab five people. There's what they call multi-signature chain wallets, which essentially says that if we go in Create this safe, and shout out to my brother, uh, Blockchain Bully, for uh, sending me this uh, app over when he heard the idea I wanted to do. So first, let me start with what a CryptoPunk is. CryptoPunk is one of the early projects, one of the first projects that was on the blockchain. It was these digital images of these CryptoPunks that all have different features. Based on the features, they have different rarities, right? So one may have glasses, one may have blue hair, right? And it may be only a hundred of those who have those attributes, but it was ten thousand randomly created ones. So now, what happened is, is investors start buying that because they say, "Well, what's the historical value, right, of this being the first project?" And when it's become mass adopted in the future, this is a relic of history and time. You understand me? So the the value started to go up. They was you seen them trading for forty thousand, fifty thousand. So it's ten thousand. And I was about to buy one at twenty nine k, but at the time I didn't have the Ethereum in the wallet. I couldn't find an exchange that allowed me to convert fiat that fast. So by the time I end up getting it done. You know, it was up 59. So I'm like, damn. And then, you know, life got busy. I second-guessed the decision, right? I come back now as I'm checking on CryptoPunks. The cheapest one at today is $222,000. There's some going up to $8 million right now. But my idea, and I had proposed this, and I was like, how about, you know, we can create a, 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 an investor group. And I got some people, some some prominent people that already told me they're in for it. So let's say we bought that NFT, because maybe I don't want to employ that much capital hey, on I one project. Chat, I got you, brother. Because <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't want to put that much capital on one project, right? So what if we split it between five or 10 people? The way it'll work is you download a particular app. Everybody signs it. It's a trustless system. I mean, I don't have to trust you. I ain't got to worry about you running off of my money. Right. You can't get robbed because they can't take the money unless everybody signs it. Mm. So you have all its a multi-signature chain where it creates this trustless system. Nobody can do anything with it. So now you can create these investment groups. Somebody identifies the correct investments to put the money in. They did the research. They proposed it to the group. They jump in and then y'all vote when y'all want to sell. And then everybody sign it and y'all flip y'all money incrementally. The blockchain creates these systems to where even black people ain't got to trust each other.
1: Mm.
0: You know Jeez. how hard that is.
1: You know? <laughs> Look, keys, man. I appreciate you coming through, man. Look, I know we have. After this, we'll do like a, a quick Q and A session. You cool with that? Yeah, yeah, we'll I'm do solid with that. Q and A session uh, after this. Um, after we, you know, we got we got a we got a Patreon. So you know, Patreon family. Are y'all on our pat on the Patreon? Thank you so much. The rest of y'all.
0: So, who gonna be on the Patreon?
1: Yeah, yeah who's gonna be on the Patreon? <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash David Never Sleeps. Join the Patreon. Um, but nah Keith, thank you so much. I gotta do a quick commercial, then I'm gonna have you I'm gonna come back and ask one more question. Yes, yeah, sir. I'm gonna have you close us out with yeah, something sorry. memorable. And remember what you say is gonna be probably turned into an NFT. I like that. All right. Um I want to, uh, this, this episode is sponsored as always by The Morning Meetup, TheMorningMeetup.com, the only organization, Key is the only organization that gathers every single day. Entrepreneurs gather every single day, and we over 500 people every single morning on a Zoom call.
2: Mm. And
1: We're all reading the same book at the same time.
3: Mm.
1: Now, you read a lot, you read books a lot, yeah?
3: Yeah.
1: I didn't read any books last year. Mm. This yeah, year, man. together as a collective, we read 10. Mm. We can clap for that. So, um, a group, like people talk about bringing the community together. We actually do it every single morning. Um, and we teach entrepreneurship. So, I have a theme for the month. And I think this theme this, this month is like, Thinking bigger. So my goal mm-hmm. through every call, Monday through Friday, is to get them to think bigger by the end of the month. We are big thinkers. We're reading. It's really dope. And you can try it out. Anybody? Are y'all on the morning meetup? Anybody? Clap, clap it up if you're in the morning meetup. How much is that morning meetup? It's a dollar trial. Who getting in the morning meetup? Who going to get? Just clap your hands if you're going to join the morning meetup. It's a dollar yes. trial. <laughs> and... So it's for your first seven days, if you like it, you say, oh my gosh, people from everywhere on the calls, it's $79 a month. If you don't like it, you can quit. You can just leave. It's all good. Um, So anyway, yeah, jointhemorningmeetup.com. Keys, I want to say thank you, my brother. And I got one more question for you. Yes, sir. I like to make predictions on the podcast. Okay. okay? Where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years so that I can watch this five to 10 years from now and say, yo, Keys said he was going to do that. And look, he did it. He's the president. I don't want to be president. You'd be a but. cool president. If Donald Trump will be the president, it's about, we went so far left with Donald Trump, it's about time for I, the 19 Keys. So honestly,
0: I think I'm overqualified. Yo, yeah, what
1: uh, would the world <laughs> be like with 19 Keys <laughs> <Geese> president?
0: <laughs> it would exactly. definitely be a better world, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you know, five, 10 years from now, you know, I just see myself in a world leadership position where I'm more so. It sounds be, like a president. Well, no, no, not the president. President The 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 president, the president is is a puppet for a corporation and don't really have any power. Mm. You understand me? I'm I'm not trying to go through the gray hair phase like Obama. You know, I want I want to keep my hairs. Um, (laughs) It's it's more so you know me assisting leadership and creating multiple large projects. You understand me? on large-scale economic levels, you understand me? Really employing a lot of capital to produce a lot of change. Whether you're talking about land development, whether you're talking about creating 10,000 jobs, you understand me, or creating 10,000 business owners, everything has to go to a larger scale. I don't believe in the retirement, you understand me? I believe in the next stage, right? And that next stage has to be very impactful. I want to see 10,000 business owners or jobs created You understand me? And I want to be working with the top brass and the top leadership in our culture and anybody else that want to employ their capital, right, to bridge this wealth gap. And I want to be directly responsible for saying that, okay, we definitely nudged it this much. Mm. You understand me? From these projects that we create.
1: I like it. I like it. Listen, um, please let everybody know how they can find you, how they can follow you, uh, get more information on what you got going on.
0: Yeah, you can follow me at 19 underscore keys. You understand me? Um, you can also text me at 323-577-6692. Um, sometimes I send, you know, daily inspirational keys to help you unlock your mind as you want to go. Um, I also send links out to private, you know, uh Discords or different channels that we create or specials or deals. That's where you can learn about everything that we got going on as well. I have a YouTube channel um, and I have a soon-to-be number one podcast in the world. You know what I'm That's talking about? Fact. Um. also have a book. I have a multitude of different things going on, but I'd rather you just come over to the channel. Check out the platform. If you like the platform, if it's informative, if it's educational, it's gonna be controversial, right? But, you know, truth is supposed to make you uncomfortable. We're not all supposed to have agreement with everybody we meet, but we can come to an understanding. And so for me, it's more so about, you know, pushing things to that limit so that we can get to a place of uncomfortability because that's where we really produce change. Tap in on all platforms, and join the Infinite Wealth strategies right now and get fifty percent off using promo code blockchain.
1: There it is. Oh, and so if somebody want to shoot their shot. Your DM. What is the best way? So after <laughs> so. you go
0: buy the course, you take the <laughs> receipt. Uh, this, this is real talk. You take the receipt. You screenshot the receipt, and you send it to my DM. And I'm going to give you access to our private Discord
1: channel. Mm-hmm. Shoot that shot. <laughs> In the Discord. All right, cool. Um, now, now, just I guess there, there's somebody out there that is uh, uh, their mind is not unlocked. Yeah. Right. They feel something happening, but uh, they have not made that leap to uh, even trust themselves. Mm-hmm. So, how would you close out this podcast and talk to that person?
0: It's a great saying by the honorable mm-hmm. Muhammad. He said, "Accept your own and be yourself." You know, the greatest thing you could ever uh, greatest. Knowledge you can never obtain is the knowledge yourself. You got to go on that journey just studying yourself, studying yourself, studying yourself. I'm not talking about, forget all the fields in the world. If the greatest field of expertise that you have is not yourself, then you can't truly win that life. You understand me? And it's okay to be in a position that you're in, but it's not okay to tap into your full potential. You understand mm-hmm. me? It's okay to take time to balance out your mind. It's, it's one thing where people go study you know, the laws that was created by the Constitution, but you have to become a spiritual lawyer to where you study universal law and not just the laws of attraction, but the law of confidence, right? The law of understanding, the law of duality. You have to study these laws because those laws teach human beings how to operate within life, right? I went to the Shinnecock Nation in the Southampton and one of the elder Native people there was giving me, he gave me a great speech and he said that um, when you're in the womb, your limbs are developing right? Eyes, ears, head, limbs, legs, spine, brain, all of those things are developing and they're developing for the next world that you're going into, right? You don't have complete knowledge of what this world is, but at a physiological and a biological level, you're preparing for it automatically. And then when you get into this world, right? The question becomes is, what are you preparing for next? You understand me? When you leave this world, the only thing you can take with you is that cultivation of that spiritual understanding, those spiritual laws, that spiritual manifestation of things that you produce. Because men are not remembered and women are not remembered solely based on what they have. They remember based on who they are. We can look at examples of Tupac and Nipsey Hussle. These are aspirational goals. How much can you become while you are alive, not how much can you obtain while you are alive? right? That's how you produce a legacy because a legend is an energy that never dies. So, the moment that you get stuck in a comparison of someone else's Legend. Life, L-E-G. That was, y'all didn't catch that. Did y'all catch that? Oh, you, gotta, you gotta let me hit this heat though. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. in the moment That's of the right shred. It hit me.
1: It hit me. <laughs>
0: early. I'm sorry. No, a legend is an energy that never dies. And the one law that we do too much, and this is what social media capsules all the time, is the law of comparison. The moment that we compare comparing our lives to somebody else, we are giving more energy to them than we're giving to ourselves. So you're actually helping them grow when you're slowing yourself down. You understand me? So you have to be able to focus. Concentration is prolonged focus. And if you can focus for a prolonged period of time on anything, you can produce whatever you want. And if you got 10 years left of life, you can be successful. And success is not just about achieving a goal, but being on that path of achieving. So every day I'm successful as long as I'm on and in that direction of that destination because
1: destination creates destiny. Listen, we can't close it out no better than that, man. Do me a favor, do you a favor. One, follow 19 keys. Two, go get you some social proof, meaning go build something. But I need you to document how you did it. Remember the journey. Take those receipts back to your community and teach other people how you did what you did. All right, we are out of here. Peace. David Chance presents to you the morning meetup. Of resources and contacts, you need to be in an environment of success. So head over to themorningmeetup.com today for your one dollar seven day trial. That's right, just one dollar for seven days of access to the morning meetup. Take massive action towards manifesting your dreams today. Themorningmeetup.com.
3: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently.